Tell me. Ne okay, let's just vote. How many say negative? How many say positive? Okay. Wowzer. So the vast majority of people in this room just have a negative reaction uh, to their ver when they hear the word fire. Okay. Makes perfect sense. And as we do this sermon today, we are reminded that there are massive fires in the Amazon going on right now, which are indeed a, a, a threat um, to, to our climate and uh, to our ability to breathe, in fact. And it appears that those fires have been, um, let's say, have become the subject of political bantering back and forth, when what needs to be done is uh, they need to be taken care of uh, and uh, the rainforest restored. So anyway, we need to be praying for this situation in the Amazon, which is really a huge, huge event that's going on in our world right now. Fire, they talk about it like one of the first great inventions of humanity as humanity is moving towards civilization, discovering fire. But when I asked in here, what is your first reaction to fire, what I heard was it's a negative reaction because of the destructive power of fire, I am assuming. Our God, the scripture says, is a consuming fire. When Judy was little, um, her family moved into a new house that her dad, had, her dad and mom had designed and had built. And it sat on about five or six acres of of land and the house was done and the family moved in before everything else was done like there wasn't quite a yard yet seed had been laid and there was straw all over the place to help the grass to grow well Judy's father David uh, needed to clear out some fence row some of you in here have done that and there's two ways to clear out fence row you can get a pick and a shovel and work till you're dead or you can start a fire and burn it out. And so he chose to burn out the fence row. And it makes perfect sense. People do it all the time. And what you want to do is you want to consume that underbrush and all that debris that's there so that it's clean. And so that's a good thing. Did you hear me say that they'd put straw down all over the yard? The cleaning out of the fence row caught fire in the straw, and the fire moved quickly up the hill towards their brand new house. Judy remembers, it's a vivid memory to her to this day, of running into their basement to getting their hose so they could start working on the fire. Uh, and this is out in the country. This is in the, this is in the knobs of East Tennessee. There isn't a fire department close. And they got the fire out. But it was such a scary moment that it is still a very vivid memory for Judy. And I just want to know, why was the hose in the basement? That's another story. When we lived in the Black Hills of South Dakota, and you would drive in the hills either on major roads or if you'd get off the roads and, and go on the, the dirt roads that are everywhere, uh, one thing that you would notice is out in the the thickets in the woods, there would be piles of um, cut up wood and debris. And what would happen is during the year, um, 
workers would gather these piles together and isolate them. And then when winter came and there was some moisture finally, they would go out and they would burn those piles hoping to keep the hills safe. Because one of the major causes of fire in the Black Hills is not just that trees burn, but all that stuff on the ground, all that debris, it burns as well. And so the idea is to isolate that. But that doesn't always work. And while we lived in South Dakota, there were a couple different instances where there were fires that started generally by lightning. And the fires consumed major portions of, of a particular area. And you could drive out afterwards and just see the decimation. The ground was black and there were just blackened sticks coming out of the ground where trees used to be. And, and that's one thing. But the, what also happens in the Black Hills is that there are lots of people who have very nice homes up in the hills. And so once these fires start... It's a, it's a danger to property as well as to the forest itself. And we had several members of our church who lived in the hills. And I remember one particular family, um, a fire started, and the fire got down within about 100 feet of their house. And so what they did, and I don't know if they hired this done or if they did it themselves, but they had these 50-gallon um, containers, and they would hook up some sort of hose device to these containers, and they would spray their house with this material, and the material would harden, and supposedly, if the fire was just rushing through, it would, it, it would protect the house from the flames. And I remember when we were there, they had to do that, and shortly thereafter, I think the next week, I drove out to their house, and they were still chipping off that gunk that they had sprayed on the house to protect it. The fire hadn't made it to the house, so they were safe, but they had sprayed it because the fire was so close, and they were afraid that their house would be consumed by the fire. Now, I've got to tell you, that same family would gather with our church on Labor Day weekend. We would do a retreat at Camp Judson, which is an American Baptist camp in um, South Dakota. It's right, behind, um, uh, it's right behind Mount Rushmore. And uh, it's just a, one of the most beautiful spots you can ever be in. And that family would meet with the rest of the church. We, we would meet there, and one of the things we did, we would have a massive bonfire. And around the bonfire, we would sing songs, and we would preach, and we would just have a wonderful time. And they would sit around that fire, and they would sing and celebrate with the rest of us. The fear that they had when the fire was 100 feet from their house was not the fear that they had the fire that was contained in a fire ring. One of, my, one of my favorite activities, I almost hate to admit it, one of my favorite activities in the winter is to start a fire in our fireplace and to sit in the rocking chair and let the fire consume my evening. I just sit and watch the fire. I usually have a book in my lap or a tablet in my lap, and I very seldom look at them because I'm just looking at the fire. Just to watch the fire dance is such an amazing thing. Well, to have a fire in your fireplace, you have to have wood, and so we keep wood at our house, and I split wood uh, so we have wood that will fit in the fireplace, and 
And uh, one day I was splitting wood, and everybody who splits wood in here will have this experience. I split wood, and my wedge got stuck in the wood. Jerry, you ever had this? Can't get the wedge out? Well, the secret to getting the wedge out of wood is to take a second wedge. And the second wedge got stuck in the wood as well. I don't have any more wedges. And so I had this big piece of wood with two wedges in it that I could not, for the life of me, get out. That night we had, or maybe the next day, we had a fire in our fire pit, which is outside. And so I just took that log and threw it in the wood pit, wedges and all. And I just left it, and it burned up, and it was wonderful. And the next morning I went out to the fire pit, and all that was there was ash and two wedges. The fire had consumed that which was trapping the wedges, and the wedges were free again for me to use. I have a scar on my left leg. When I was a kid, I loved, I shouldn't admit this, I loved to play with matches, and a group of friends and I were burning things one day, and we were burning little plastic toys, and I remember I was burning this little rubber caterpillar, just watching it melt. It wasn't a real caterpillar. It was rubber, okay? It may have been an incredible edible. I may have made it. I don't know. But anyway, this thing's on fire, and it's burning, and a big glob of it drops and lands on my leg. And I still have the scar to this day, and that is 50-some years ago. When I was a young kid, and I would go see my grandma and grandpa, Peachy and Polly, Peachy would give me a quarter to take the trash out back and burn it. And I would love to gather up all the paper trash and take, you could do that back then, gather up all the paper trash and take it out to the burning bin, you guys know? Remember these? And throw the paper in the thing and light it and just watch it. And get paid a quarter for the joy of it all. It's pretty amazing. In my neighborhood, if you walk up and down the streets on a Friday night or a Saturday night, there is something you will smell, and that is the smell of charcoal grills as they are, as they are cooking meat. There is a flame that comes up and touches the meat and cooks it so that it's pre- prepared to eat. And it is just the greatest smell in all the world. Even if you don't eat meat, it's a nice smell. Our God is a consuming fire, the scripture says. Consuming. That's a tough adjective. Consuming means it it takes away. It rids. Some people would say it destroys. And so this idea that God is a consuming fire is so interesting because a consuming fire is frightening. It's dangerous. And so some people look at this passage in Romans chapter 12, our God is a consuming fire, as a passage that tells us there are reasons to be afraid of this God. There are reasons to fear Not be in awe, but fear. Be scared of who God is. Now, here's what we know. The Bible's very plain about this. We know that God is love. 
Theos, agape, esten. So if God is a consuming fire and God is love, we have to understand, don't we, that the consuming fire is an act of God's love towards us and is nothing to fear. Because what does perfect love do? Cast out fear. It is a consuming fire that is based in love and goodness and acceptance and grace. And so in this passage where it is written, our God is a consuming fire, we look at fire as our friend. And if fire is our friend and it consumes, what is it that it's consuming that is good for us. The assumption has to be that if God is a consuming fire, what He is consuming are those things in our lives that, de- that move us away from love, that cause us not to care for one another, that cause us to look more inwardly than outwardly. And so our God is a consuming fire, which I think means that God is consuming in us our bent to hate one another. God is consuming, the fire is consuming in us that self-centeredness that causes us to think only about ourselves and the people who might look like us and be like us. God as consuming fire is consuming the bitterness in us which can cause us to be hateful, mean, and destructive people. God as consuming fire is consuming the fear in us so that we might face life straight on and embrace all that God has for us. We recognize that if God is a consuming fire, what that fire is consuming is the prejudices in us so that we can see people as children of God and not as somebody to be feared or disliked or rejected. So that when it's all said and done and God is finished with this humanity project, it is love that remains. Now, I don't know about you, but I wish it was a faster process. This idea that the kingdom is in the, is in the midst of becoming is great, but come, along, come on, let's move it along. Let's let this consuming fire consume those things that detract from our walk with God now. But that's not the way it works. It is a slow consummation. But we celebrate every day that we are stepping forward, that we are moving forward, that we love more now than we did a few years back, that we're learning to let go of those prejudices, we're learning to let go of those bitter feelings, we're learning to let go of the hard stuff as we focus on God's love for us. The consuming fire doesn't consume overnight, but it's working. Amen.